So if I haven't met you before, my name is Shannon Osinski, and I serve in the Lehigh Valley and Berks County area um, with the Berks team at DeSales University and at Kutztown University. Um, but if I were to tell you maybe something that I know deeply about myself is that I hate looking weak. I just hate looking weak. And in fact, for the majority of my life, I have wanted people to think that I had it all together and I did whatever I could to make it appear that way. However I could make myself look put together, that's what I did. And as I was growing up, I just, I loved being able to help others. And I loved when people came to me asking for my help or asking for my advice on something or even when people praise me for being such a wonderful help to them. But I never wanted anyone to think that I myself was also needy and in need of help sometimes. I, in my own pride, I pretended like I knew everything, like I could do everything, or that I could help everybody else. And also, as a prideful perfectionist, if I wasn't good at things automatically, I would just stop doing it rather than pressing on and even just asking for help. So this even translated into my understanding of the Lord and my relationship with him. Even though I had learned growing up that God is a gracious God and we are people in desperate need of him, I mistakenly thought that I needed to do it all and be as perfect as I possibly could be. I did everything I could do to make it look like I had it all together first before I even bothered God or sought help from him or others. And I was terrified of asking for help from people, let alone truly admitting my desperate need to the Lord. So one way this played out was that I grew up in a really high pressure atmosphere in Northern New Jersey, not too far from New York City where everything's pretty fast paced. Um, and very academic, it was a very academic environment. And I just often felt the need to prove myself with everything that I did, whether that was schoolwork or the musical theater that I was involved in or as a dancer or as a runner or just as a daughter, as a friend, as a sister. And it wasn't until the Lord humbled me through slipping grades and rapidly decreasing mental health that I even began to comprehend that help was essentially a requirement for being human. And this need for help is exactly what God used to draw me into his arms. And ultimately, this kind of need is what God wants us to come to him with. So I've seen in my own life that the very thing which drove me into a deeper relationship with the God of the universe was the very thing I hated to admit. I could not get through life on my own and I desperately needed to bring my need to the very one who could be my help. By God's grace, I have learned slowly to ask for help and I have received the help that I've needed over time. And I am still learning in this process. And even when I was in high school, I was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder 
And the Lord has brought people alongside me to help me learn in the past 10 years or so how to manage this anxiety and how to run to God for help and how to get the help that I needed from the resources that God has placed around me. And it's been so life-giving. So maybe you're like me, and perhaps you've been struggling with maybe a persistent besetting sin for years, and you're wondering if God has grown tired of you or if you're beyond help. Maybe you feel like you're past the point of no return. Or maybe you found yourself in a situation where you feel like you're supposed to have a handle on it, but you actually have no idea how to get through it. Perhaps you're wondering, if I keep asking God for help, will he lose patience with me? Or even if I muster up enough courage to ask a trusted Christian friend, what will they think of me? Will I wind up being even more embarrassed and shamed than I already feel? If this is you, you are not alone. God's people have wrestled with their own weakness, inadequacy, and insufficiency since the beginning of time. And we'll take a look into an example of this in the Bible in just a moment. If you haven't already turned there, our outline for this session, as well as our scripture reference, is on page 34 and 35 of your packet. It's all the way towards the back of your packet, right before the quiet time and the time alone with God in the morning. It's right before that section. And we'll first spend some time together in scripture, and then we're going to spend the back half of this time in small groups fleshing out these things that we talk about. So the first point I love to flesh out for us here in this workshop is that help is hard. That's your first fill-in, that help is hard. So after you write that down, I thought we could take a minute to just think through reasons why we personally might avoid asking for help or humbling ourselves. You might have noticed the sticky notes by your seat or right near your seat or on your seat as you came in. And I'm going to ask all of you ladies to take a quick minute to answer the following question on a sticky note and bring it up here to me. You can feel free to hand it to me or put it on this table. And this is a way that you ladies can help me. I've struggled with chronic pain for the past six years, and I really wanted to spend time writing things on a board for all of you, but that's just really hard for me to do right now. So you are all helping me. And this is a chance that I can ask for your help by just bringing up these sticky notes to me, and then we'll talk about it a little bit more. So ready for the question? The question I have for you is, what are some of the reasons we avoid asking for help or admitting need? So take a minute to fill that out in one of the sticky notes. And when you're ready, bring it up to me. Awesome. Yeah, if you have any more, feel free to bring them up. Thanks, ladies. I really appreciate your help in this way. This is so great. <laughs> and also, it seems like with all these sticky notes that we're not alone, that there's a whole lot of us here who are recognizing that we're people in need of help. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. So if you see here, there's a whole lot of sticky notes. And you guys have a whole lot of thoughts. Thank you. So some of the things that I see here that you ladies have shared is that maybe there's a fear of being incapable or appearing incapable 
or admitting that we're not naturally good at something. So that might be a way that we fear asking for help. Another one that I see a lot of you ladies have shared is just being fearful of what others might think if you ask for help and honestly open up. Yeah, even there's others that I see where you ladies share that it feels like a sign of weakness or maybe you're even fearful to appear like you don't have it all figured out because maybe that's a real deep desire of yours to make people think that you, um, that you have it all together, just like me. Um, maybe, yeah, you just feel very similar to the ways that I do in there. Or even another reason that I see from a number of you is that even knowing how to ask for help or what to ask can be really hard. There's a whole, lot of, a whole lot of things, and I would love to go through all these sticky notes, but we don't have time. So I'm going to set these to the side. And we're going to actually take a moment to look at Scripture now as we think about these reasons that we just shared. So we're actually going to be looking at an example of someone asking for help in Scripture. And to help us understand this further, we're going to be looking at Psalm 86, which is on the, I think, I believe it's page 34 in your packet. It's a page right next to your outline. And Psalm 86 says, Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you do I cry all the day. Gladden the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart, and I will glorify your name forever. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. O God, insolent men have risen up against me. A band of ruthless men seeks my life, and they do not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Show me a sign of your favor that those who hate me may see and be put to shame because you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. So one reason we see here in scripture that help is hard is because our needs are varied. It's because our needs are varied. 
As we were reading through Psalm 86, you may have noticed that this prayer is offered to the Lord, and it's a beautiful picture of seeking God in the midst of terror and the midst of hardship. Here, King David himself, the author of this psalm, he's the one that wrote this psalm, and he is a man, he was often called a man after God's own heart. But in this psalm, he is crying out in desperation to the Lord. In this psalm in particular, he's running from people that are literally pursuing his life. They're trying to find him so that they can kill him. So he was very much in need of help, and he was desperate in his situation. He recognizes in here that his help that he needs is physical. Like in verse 14, while he also calls for emotional and spiritual comfort by the end of his prayer in verse 17. Varied needs make help hard because our needs often change and they can be different moment by moment. So it can feel difficult to understand what kind of help we are in need of and how to ask for it, just like many of you ladies just shared. But did you know that another primary reason why help is hard and we don't want to ask for it is ultimately because of a distrust or disbelief in God and his character? We often underestimate his desire to help us and his desire to come to our aid. We also sometimes fail to be honest with ourselves or others about our own weakness because we're afraid of what others might think or we're afraid that God might get tired or weary of us. And another way that we don't want to ask for help, another reason is that we often forget to fear the Lord. And we'll get more to this later. But as we do this, and as we forget to fear the Lord, we fear other things more than him. And that often gets in the way of us humbly asking for help. Even here in the United States, our culture loves independence. And not needing help from those around us is often seen as strength. Even though self-sufficiency is often seen as something that's celebrated it's celebrated or it's seen as valuable in the culture around us, God's word shows us something radically different. And as we look to the word of God, we actually have to begin grappling with a common theme for humanity, our ultimate dependence on the Lord and the beauty of his grace and mercy towards us. Throughout the Bible and throughout history, even the seemingly most powerful Put together, people have been needy. The wisest leaders in scripture and the wisest leaders today are the ones that realize they're in need of help and in turn, the ones that run to the Lord to ask for it. They don't wait until they have a better grip on the situation or until they feel less overwhelmed by it. They simply run to the Lord knowing that they are in desperate need of help. And I wanted to point out this theme as we look at even just the quote at the top of your outline. So I'm going to point you there real quick. This quote at the top 
um, this author shares that we often think Christian maturity is needing help less and less. Wrong. Maturity is realizing how dependent we are on Jesus more and more. Self-reliance is self-sabotage. So even this is just an example of how if we want to grow in our walk with the Lord, we must realize our need for help. Do you want to grow in maturity? Do you want to grow to be a wiser, godly woman? Then ask for help. You're in good company. In Psalm 86, we see that in the midst of his running and his need, King David is constantly crying out to God as he recognizes his need for help. And he knows he's in need of help because of the state he understands himself to be in. So ultimately, to take away from this section, I would love for us to remember that because our needs are varied, we often choose disbelief over believing God in faith. And therefore, help can be extremely hard or difficult to ask for. Yet this brings us to our second fill-in on your outline. Help is necessary. And that's your next fill-in. Help is necessary. In order to be helped, we must understand our state before the Lord. In David's trouble, he seeks help from the Lord, admitting who he is, who David himself is, and clearly stating his need. As somebody who has struggled a lot with pride, this part is very humbling for me. If anybody has a reason to feel prideful, it was someone like David. He was the chosen one, anointed king of Israel, and he was victorious in battle. He was known as a great king, and he was in the lineage of Jesus. His family line leads forward to Jesus generations later. Yet David understands his need. He understands who he is. We see in Psalm 86 that David is being pursued by enemies. He shares in verse 1 that he is poor and needy. He shares that he is in trouble in verse 7. And often, if we are honest with God, ourselves, and others, we are a lot like David. We're desperate for help, and we're unsure of what to do at times. We are poor and needy, just like him. So let's have a quick show of hands. Who here would prefer to feel like they have their life under control and don't need help? Yeah, that seems like pretty much all of us. <laughs> Who here enjoys thinking of themselves as poor and needy? Yeah, I don't see any hands. <laughs> that can be a really tough thing to admit. It can be really scary to be honest with ourselves, with God, and with other people. Yet in the same prayer of sharing before God that David himself is poor and needy, he also then reminds himself of who the Lord has made him to be as one of his children, as someone who is walking with him. We see in verse 2 that he talks about how he is godly 
we see in verse 11 that he's asking God to help him walk in truth. We see him praise God in thankfulness in verse 12. And we also see him continue to ask God for help in understanding that he is in need of strength in verse 16. But how does somebody become godly and walk in the truth? They do this by seeking to know God himself, just as David had. David knew that the character of God is steadfast and that because of this, God himself was worthy of his trust all the time. And God himself is worthy of our trust all the time, even and especially in our deepest time of need. David even looked forward in faith throughout his life to a savior that God had promised long ago. And we can also look back in faith to that same savior who is reigning even now, Jesus himself. As David comes to terms with who he is and what his desperate situation is, David knows where to take his need. He understands that the one who can ultimately help is the only one who is sufficient within himself and doesn't need any help, the Lord. When you recognize your need, is your knee-jerk reaction to cover up what appears messy or even altogether ignore the fact that you feel caught between a rock and a hard place and you feel stuck in your situation? Is self-preservation the theme of your life instead of humble God glorification like David shows here, seeking God's help in your distress? Maybe you aren't physically running from enemies like David, but perhaps you're running from very necessary help in your day of trouble. When you have the resource of where life is found as you call on the Lord himself who can help. So here's a takeaway from this second point. We are all people in desperate need of help. Even with varied needs, we must recognize who we are, which then puts us in the perfect position to humbly ask for help. So even with varied needs, we must recognize who we are, especially in relation to the Lord. And this puts us in the perfect position to humbly ask for help. And this brings us to our third and final point and fill in on your outline. Help is available. So your final fill-in is that help is available. So how does God respond to those who ask for help? To learn about this, we first need to examine the character of God. We have to know who God is. And we learn a lot about God in Psalm 86 here. We learn that the Lord is gracious. We see that twice in verse 3 and verse 16. We learn that he is good in verse 5. We also see that he is forgiving. We see that he is merciful, and we learn that he is abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness in verse 5 and 15. We also read 
that David knows God is a God who answers, that God is glorious, that God is great, that God does wondrous things. We see in verse 13 that God is a deliverer, and in verse 17 that God is a helper and he is a comforter. These are amazing, incredible, comforting truths, and they comfort my heart in the midst of my need for help. So do any of these things that we learn about God in Psalm 86 communicate to you that God grows tired or weary of your asking, of my asking? If God himself is a helper and a comforter, as David shares in this psalm, then God is delighting in coming to the aid of his people instead of rolling his eyes in frustration or walking away. God is not like us. God does not grow tired or weary of our asking. And he is perfectly patient with people. We also see in Psalm 86 that there is none like God. He has made all the nations. We learn that in verse 9, and it says that they will bow down before him in worship. Why would we fear what someone else might think of us if we're honest about our need? If God himself made everything and will get the glory due his name as we follow him. David even shares in this psalm in verse 6 and 7 that he is in his day of trouble, which I had mentioned earlier. And if you're anything like me, the moment I realize that I'm in trouble is often the absolute hardest moment for me to reach out and ask for help, whether it's from the Lord or from other people or both. That is the hardest moment for me to do it because it feels the most desperate. And I would often rather wait until I've gotten a handle on something before I ask for help. But here, David shows us that he's not waiting until after the trouble has passed. Instead, he's asking as the trouble is there, as it is pursuing him. God is present within the difficulty and within our trials. And he is ready and willing to give ear to our cry for help. Also, David here desires to learn from God. He shares about this desire to learn from God, to walk in truth. And he even shares this phrase, where he says, unite my heart to fear your name. In verse 11, David says, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. And I, when I read this, I had to ask myself, why does he use the word unite here? What does that mean? Unite our heart, unite my heart to fear your name. But I believe what David is trying to show here is that if our heart is divided in fearing things that are not the Lord, 
we are putting too much emphasis or weight on those other things, on the opinions of friends, of coworkers, of siblings, of parents, of mentors. We are putting too much weight on that and not trusting in the immutable, steadfast character of God. So for example, if we're too preoccupied with caring about what others might be thinking of us if we ask for help, then our heart is not united to fear the Lord. Our heart is divided. And instead, we might fear things like, what will my friend think of me if I'm honest with them that I've been struggling with sexual sin and lust? Or what will my campus staff think about me if I let them know that I've recently given in to the temptation to go to parties again to gain the approval of others? What will happen if I'm honest? But when we fear the opinions of others more than the Lord, our heart is not united to fear the Lord. And that's why David asks this in this psalm. He's asking God for his help in fearing him. And you might hear this word fear and be like, what does it mean to fear the Lord? Why would I fear the Lord? One theologian paints a picture of the fear of God in this way. He shares that we should picture ourselves on a mountain. So right now, just picture yourself on a mountain and you all of a sudden, when you're at the top of a mountain, you see around the side and overhead of you is coming a huge storm. And it looks ominous and terrifying. And you know that there's going to be a ton of wind, maybe some hail and some snow. And it's just causing destruction in its path. And it's taking out everything. And you are desperately looking for a place to hide so that you can be safe from the storm. So just as the storm breaks past you, you find a crevice on the side of the rock in the mountain and you hide there. You go there into that crevice. And just as the storm reaches you, you are safe because you are hidden in the rock. You are hidden in the mountain itself and you just get the chance to enjoy the beauty and majesty of the storm that's right over you, but you are not. You are not fearful of it because you are safe. You are not scared of what the storm will do to you because you are hidden in the rock. That's what it looks like to fear the Lord and this is where we see the good news of the gospel, the cross of Christ. Jesus himself died for us to provide a place where we could enjoy the majesty of God with a kind of fear and trembling and reverence and awe, but not a cowering fear. As a result of what Christ has done, just like David, we can come to God in faith, knowing that God hears and cares. Because 
We are hidden in the rock if we've trusted in Jesus. We don't have to fear what might happen to us in the day of trouble. God himself has already promised to listen and take care of his children. And we have the strongest, most loving God of the universe on our side. So a way that we see we can ask for help in this psalm, just like David, is because we can be confident in the character of God. Did you notice in verse 17 that David says, you have helped me and comforted me? Just like David, we can have confidence in character traits known of the Lord from the past and from the present that informs our present and our future. God is steadfast. God does not change. And if God has been the one who is gracious and merciful, full of steadfast love and faithfulness, as well as he has provided comfort and help, then we can trust that since he is the same God now, as we've been learning this weekend so far, he will willingly come to the aid of those who have trusted in him. So if God responds to broken, needy people who call on him in this way, how does that then transfer to how we ask other people for help? I know that as a lot of us had shared earlier, that the opinions of others can feel paralyzing and really scary when we think about asking for help. But here's what is true. Those who don't know the Lord will see the help that the Lord has given and be put to shame, as David says. There will be a day where all will know the glory of God. But those who do know the Lord and have a relationship with God through Christ should understand that they too are needy. As the hymn goes, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Nobody has any reason to boast apart from the cross of Jesus Christ himself. So as each of us recognize our own need and our own desperation, we can come to God asking for help. We can ask others for help. And we are also able to point others to him. God can help us in every way. God is the God of salvation and he can help us for physical needs, mental, emotional, spiritual. He comes to our aid and he provides resources around us as even instruments of his grace towards us. So what to take away from this is that help is available to anybody who calls on the name of Jesus and Jesus himself is eager to come to our aid. We don't have to be ashamed or embarrassed to ask for help if we understand what all believers have been saved from and the glory and majesty and power of the one whom we've been saved by. If you have never put your faith in Jesus, I want to implore you. This weekend could be your time to do so, 
to have new life in Jesus and find that you have a God who is willing and ready to come to your rescue. He is eager to save you in the midst of your mess. We know from the Bible that God doesn't turn away messy, sinful human beings, but instead he stands ready to respond to us in our need as we confess that to him. Because of his great love shown for us by Jesus' blood shed on the cross. If you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, I want to ask you, what is it for you that is a barrier? What still feels like it's pulling at your heart that is causing your heart to be divided rather than united in fearing the Lord? Is it the fear of others' opinions? Is it the concern that you'll be turned away from God himself? Sisters, this is not so. God will not turn you away. He turned his face away from his son on the cross so that we know in our time of need that God sees us and he hears us and he cares for us and he answers us. He delights in you. And he is a patient, gracious, gentle father who can help. So practically, to sum this up, we are all people who are needy. On our own, nobody but the Lord is sufficient. Because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, because of his perfect life, his death, his resurrection, we can come before the Lord in faith, confident that he hears those who cry out to him. So super practically, in terms of knowing who to ask or what to ask, we can think through a couple things. We can ask God first as we humbly recognize our need. And then we can turn to God's people second and share honestly and vulnerably and trust that the Lord will meet us there. So maybe think, is there somebody in your life who you trust, who you can take a step of faith and share with them about what's really going on in your life and in your heart? We're going to spend the rest of our time just reflecting on these kind of things and practically taking steps to ask both God and others for help. You'll find some reflection questions for a small group there, just towards the end of your outline, which you've probably already seen. It's on page 35. So what I'd love for us to do is getting groups of maybe three or four people around us. And as you huddle up, you'll ask these different questions and talk about them together. And that's how we're gonna spend the last few minutes of our time together. So feel free to break up and ask these questions and talk amongst each other. And I'll bring us back together um, for some prayer and reflection time at the very end. All right, ladies. I'm going to bring us back together for a couple quick minutes. 
Well, I hope that that time just talking and processing through some of these things was helpful for you. I know it was really helpful for me. I was just sharing with my group real quick that one way that I've been having to learn just to ask for help more recently with just different chronic pain struggles or even as I was preparing to share this topic with you all, um, which is asking for prayer. Like even if I didn't know how to practically um, like figure out how I needed help, I could ask my friends to pray and I could ask that they um, would pray that the Lord would meet me and that God would be my help. And I just can pray too. So that was, that's been a big thing for me. Um, you also may have noticed that there are a handful of questions at the very bottom of the outline that's a personal reflection time. And I would really encourage each of you, whether you have time, we'll have about a, like 10 minutes before dinner right after this session, um, or even just another time throughout the weekend or when you get back to campus and are kind of processing through everything, take some time to think through these questions. And they're how I need to ask for help right now. Why is this hard for me in this moment? How does God see me in this situation? And then even just someone, somebody to help me be accountable and a friend that I can trust. So just practically thinking through, how do I apply this as I go out from here? So I really hope that you ladies were encouraged um, by this passage in scripture and by this time together as I was. Let's keep pressing forward and prayerfully reflecting on these things. Jesus loves needy people. So being needy and needing help is the best place for us to be. I'm just going to pray for us real quick. Lord, I thank you so much for being a God who hears and responds to his people. We praise you that you are a God who has steadfast love, that you are merciful, that you are faithful, that you help and comfort those who trust in you. We ask, Father, that you would help us. Would you help us when we are tempted to fear the opinions of others more than fearing you? Would you help us to honestly and humbly confess before you and before others. And Lord, would you graciously provide community and other believers around us to help us and be reminders of your grace towards us? Lord, would you not let our hearts be divided and instead would you let our hearts be united to fear your name? We thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus, to do what we could not do and to be our help in every situation. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.